the thief comes not except to steal kill and destroy i have come that you might have and enjoy life life in abundance until it overflows discover how to live the abundant life in christ through the ministry of pastor ose yao afuakwa pastor afuakwa is the general overseer of faith house charismatic chapel international a thriving ministry in kumase ghana god has commissioned him to preach and teach the word of faith for people to know god better live life better and impact their world better get set for an empowerment that will enable you to live a life of all-round victory success and limitless prosperity god bless you as you listen giving demonstrate my love for god uh, one of the things that makes it important or easy to give is the empowerment of the holy spirit when the holy spirit empowers you it's easier to give it takes the empowerment of the Holy Spirit to give. Jesus said that I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. I have the power to lay it down. That's how he laid down his life. I have the power to lay it down and I have the power to take it again. It takes supernatural power to look at something you could use for yourself and lay it down for the kingdom. It's not natural. Giving is not natural. Giving is supernatural. Somebody say giving is supernatural. Giving is not natural. That's why it's not easy for people to give. Until the Holy Spirit comes upon you and empowers you. In fact, you remember when Jesus was about to give his life? In the book, in the, in the, in the Gospels, there was a time where the Bible says, he went to God and for three times he was praying, not my will, but I will be done. Not my will, but I will be done. And it was all a conflict of the will of God. Against his will. He wanted to give up. His will did not want him to give up. But God wanted him to give up. And we are told in Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 9, I like it. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse number 12. Hebrews chapter 9 and verse 12. He said, neither by the blood of bulls and of goats, neither by the blood of goats and calves or bulls, but by his own blood he entered in once, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an hypha, sprinkling upon the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh, he said, how much more shall the blood of Christ... Who through, now take note, who through the eternal spirit offered himself up unto God? Through what? The eternal spirit. So, what made Jesus, what made it possible for Jesus to offer his life was the equipment of the Holy Ghost. He said he gave up his through the eternal spirit. He offered himself through the eternal spirit. Offered himself. The past two weeks we started exploring the blessedness of giving. Somebody say the blessedness of giving. Say the blessedness of giving. The blessedness of giving. We are told in 1 Kings chapter 3 verse 3 and Solomon loved the Lord. 1 Kings 3 3. And Solomon loved the Lord walking in all the commandments of the Lord blameless. The Bible says in verse 4, And the king went to Gibeon to sacrifice there. And the king sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. The foundation was his love for God. He was driven to give a thousand burnt offerings because he loved God. When you love God, nothing is so much to give. When your love for God is genuine and solid, nothing is so much to give to God. Nothing becomes too difficult to part away with when love is in place. So we began by exploring biblical basis for giving. Why do we give? Why is it necessary as a child of God to learn and allow the spirit of God to possess you so that you can give? Why is it necessary to give? We explored that the first session and then the second session part two. I touched on what we give to God. We, we established that there are two kinds of giving. 
We give to God privately and we give to God publicly. Somebody say privately and publicly. That's what we touched on last week. The reason why we know what offering Solomon gave was because it was recorded and documented. So you cannot claim that as for me, I want to give in secrecy. I don't want anybody to see my tithes. So I don't need a tithe card. You need a tithe card. Turn to your neighbor and say, you need a tithe card. Praise God. Everybody knows your salary. It's only church people. You don't want them to know your salary. Your bank knows your salary. The one who works on your account knows how much you receive. So we started exploring on what do we give to God. And we are told in Malachi chapter 3, the Bible said, Will a man rob God yet you have robbed me? Then he says, In what have you robbed me? Then he says, In tithes and offerings. Somebody say tithes and offerings. So basically we are called to give tithes and offerings. Tithes and offerings. And lately, a lot of controversies have been on on the subject of tithe on social media and other places. In fact, some preachers have become apostles of tithe. <laughs> it looks like every short video they do, it must say something against the tithe. You don't know whether they are jealous of some other uh, ministers or whatever is motivating them. Nobody can tell. But the truth of God's word remains the same. The Bible said you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you all free. It's one. The moment you begin to debate on tithing, you have not even started your journey of love with God. Praise God. Tighten, tighten it. Because it's a baby share something. That's where they start giving from. So we started by saying that tithing is a consistent practice of setting apart Tenth of whatever material blessing in terms of monetary terms because that's the area we live in. People who argue the tithe say all kinds of things. Some say they were given only in uh, food items. Others say they were given in all kinds of things. But when we see Abraham give tithe, it was in silver and gold. So there's the food item component and there is a monetary component. And it's, it's all a function of the era we live in. We live in a function of money. And in an era of money, we, you, you, don't use, you don't go and do butter trading in the market. You don't take tomatoes and say, give me salt. Oh, that's not the era we live in. If you want salt, <laughs> you take money to the salt seller, and then the salt seller gives you salt. That's how they do it. <laughs> so that's it. That's consistent practice. Somebody said the consistent practice. And that's where most people are challenged. Some do it occasionally. Some do it after hearing a sermon like I'm teaching now. So every time they hear a teaching on it, it comes to them as guilt. Yeah, this thing again. <laughs> you have not. I pray that this morning you catch the spirit. Amen. And we said that tithing divides a lot of people in church into three categories. There are those who practice tithing legalistically. Somebody say legalistically. Yeah, as for them, it's 10%, nothing more, nothing less. 10%. That's tight. And they believe that if they don't bring it, the curse of God will follow their lives. <laughs> and there are those. So, that's it. 10%, nothing more, nothing less. That's it. One group of people. Another group also believe that the tight is something that had to do with the Old Testament and is no longer relevant in our time, so we can just forget about it. Tithe is past and gone. If any man be in Christ, is a new creature. All things have passed away, including tithe. Behold, all things have become new. Interesting. Interesting. That's another category of people. But there are people who are maturing in faith. The Bible says, for when for the time you ought to be teachers, you have need again that one teaches you which be the first, which uh, be the first principles of the oracles of God. He said, you have become as babes, but strong meat belongs to them who are full of age. Even those who by reason of use have their senses exercised to discern good from evil. So there are babies in the faith and there are young adults in the faith and they are maturing saints. Maturing saints don't look at time. They look at giving God their all. So these are believers who don't just give tithes. 
because they believe that tithing is just the foundation. And that's what I will seek to help you understand. Because tithe really is not what you are supposed to be doing. Somebody say tithe is not what I'm supposed to be doing. If you are, you claim New Testament and you claim you are, you should be doing something more than tithe. Uh, and I pray that grace will rest upon us to do so. We established certain key foundational principles about Titan last week. And the Bible says if the foundations be destroyed, the righteous can do nothing. So we need to appreciate these foundations so we can move on in our walk with God. The principles and the practices in the word of God. Somebody say principles. Practices. The principles of God's word are eternal. The practices may vary from one generation to another. Yeah. The principles are eternal. In the Old Testament, they used to practice uh, uh, the killing of animals. They sacrifice them and they use it to cleanse people's uh, sins. They 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 catch an animal, sacrifice, and then by the time they... In fact, if you look at Leviticus, you see a lot of practices there. But some of those practices are not relevant in our times. But the spirit of those practices are still relevant. Praise God. Of the principles of those practices are still relevant. So we need to always be able to tell which one is a practice and which one is a principle. The principles don't change. The fact that uh, you are in the United States of America does not mean gravitational force. The principle of gravity is different from there. If you go up, you jump up, you fall down. True or false? I mean, anywhere you find yourself, that principle works. And God's scriptural principles are equally the same. In the book of Genesis 8.22, he says, For as long as the heavens remain, seed time, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest shall not cease. Day and night, cold and winter shall not cease. So seed time and harvest, they are eternal principles. Whatever you sow, you reap. It's a principle. So when you sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep, when you wake up, you harvest poverty. Big time. He said, then shall your poverty come like one that travelleth. You shall not be poor. So, what, what are the key principles about tithing? We said that the principle of tithing is consistent with scriptural principles that God reserves a portion of everything he gives us for himself. Somebody say, everything God gives us. A portion is for him. Everything God gives you. Everything. Jacob understood that. He said, if you be with me and keep me in this way that I go, and keep me and bring me back, give me food to eat, give me raiment to put on, and bring me back to my father's house. Of all that you give me, I will give a tent unto thee. Everything you give me, God does not expect that everything he gives you, you chop it all by yourself. It's risky. Praise God. He gave us seven days in the week and he says we should keep one for him. He gave Adam and Eve Two big trees, and he says one was for him. Adam ate it to his own destruction. You shall not be destroyed. Number two, we said the principle of Titan is consistent with the scriptural principle that, that puts God first in our lives. It's a, it's, it shows that God is first in my life. Somebody say it shows that God is first in my life. And I told you last week that until God is first in your money, he is not first in your life. When you receive your salary, when you receive your chop money, what first comes to your mind? Is it the watcher joint? Or is God? That's what defines it. If God is not first in your finances, then he's not first in your life. The Bible says, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these things shall be added unto you. Number three. Number three. The principle of tithing is consistent with God's character and nature of not just accepting anything we present to him. God has a choice in the things we bring him. Somebody say, God has a choice. 
You can't just give anything to God. Why, why can't we just give God 1%? Why can't we get, just give God uh, 2%? Why can't we get, just give God? No, God doesn't just accept anything. Praise God. So you don't bring him according to your terms. You bring him according to his own terms. And that's where it starts from. We start from the tide and we move on. Number four, we say the principle of tithing is an act of faith. First, practiced by our father Abraham. Everyone who is a child of God is a child of faith. And as children of faith, we take our root from Abraham. And Abraham was a tither. Praise God. He was a tither. Number five. The the purpose for which the principle of tithing was instituted in the Old Testament is still relevant in our times. Thereby validating the practice in our days. The purpose for the tithe in the Old Testament is still relevant. Why God instituted Titan is still here today. That's why we must still practice it. And then number six. Number six, we said the purpose. Number six. Titan is an act of righteousness. This was where we closed last week. And it was very tough here. Somebody said an act of righteousness. An act of righteousness. Which the Pharisees observe with strict adherence. And we are called to exceed it. We are called to what? We are called to exceed it. <laughs> so if they were practicing tithing seriously, and we are to exceed it, and we are actually trying to find a way around it, <laughs> that would really not start it. And of course, something I didn't give you last week is the fact that the principle of tithing is also consistent with the scriptural principle of giving unto God what is God's and giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's. It's consistent. That's number seven. It's consistent with the practice of giving unto God what is God's and giving unto Caesar what is Caesar's. You see, the government does things for you. They provide you with roads, they provide you with electricity, they provide you with all kinds of things. And so, you are entitled to give the government a certain percentage of your income. And you don't decide it actually. They have already decided it. They have set certain income brackets. So, if you fall between 1,000 and 1,005, this is how much tax you must, tax you must pay. If you fall into uh, what do you call it? 2,000 and 3,000. This is how much tax you must pay. If you move from 5,000 to 10,000, this is already settled. And in Ghana, our tax percentage, I think it's between from almost, it goes as high as about 25% based on your income. And God says 10%. So if you are not debating government with 25% income, why should you be debating God with 10%? And by the way, God does much more for you than government. God does much more. They provided with roads and electricity. But what of if you don't have the breath to live? What's the use of roads? What's the use of electricity? My purpose is to help you to appreciate that God expects you to do much more than tight. God expects you to do much more than what? So, you can call what I'm teaching, to whom much is given, much is required. The blessedness of Titan part 3. Now look at Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to 47. Luke chapter 7 verse 36 to 47. Thank you, Spirit of God. One of the Pharisees asked Jesus to have dinner with him. So Jesus went to his home and sat down to eat. When a certain immoral woman from that city heard he was eating there, she brought a beautiful alabaster jar filled with what? Expensive perfume. Look at verse number. Yeah. Then she knelt behind him at his feet, weeping. Her tears fell on his feet and she wiped them off with her hair. Then she kept kissing his feet. And putting perfume on them. When the Pharisee who had invited him saw this, he said to himself, 
if this man were a prophet, he would know what kind of woman is touching him. She's a sinner. Typical Pharisee spirit. Then Jesus answered his thought, saying, Simon, he said to the Pharisee, I have something to say to you. Go ahead, teacher, say, Simon replied. Look at verse number 4, 41. Then Jesus told him the story. A man loaned money to two people. Follow the story here because that's where we are going. A man loaned two people five pieces of silver to one. 500 pieces of silver to one and 50 pieces to the other. But neither of them could repay him. So he kindly forgave them. Canceling their debts. When, what, who do you suppose loved him more after that? Simon answered, I suppose the one for whom he canceled the larger debt. That's right, Jesus said. Then he turned to the woman and said to the woman, Simon, look at this woman kneeling here. When I entered your home, you didn't offer me water to wash the dust from my feet. But she has washed them with her tears and wiped them with her hair. You didn't greet me with a kiss. But from the time I first came in, she has not stopped kissing my feet. You neglected the curtsy of olive oil to anoint my head. But she has anointed my feet with rare perfume. Amazing. I tell you, her sins, and they are many. Somebody say her sins. And they are what? Say my sins. And they are... <laughs> have been forgiven. So, she has shown me much love. But the person who is forgiving little, shows only little love. The person who is forgiving later shows what? You see, when we come to giving under the New Testament, it's basically a function of love. Function of what? How much of the love of God do you have in your heart? How deep is your love for God? Because that's what defines it all. That's what defines it all. And we've told you that the greater your love for God, the greater your cost on earth. Bible says, eyes have not seen nor ears, neither have it entered into the hearts of men. The things which God has prepared for them that love him. So, if you want to have the best in life, set your love and affection on God. And one way you demonstrate it is through your giving. It's through what? Your giving. Through your giving. Luke chapter 12, verse 48. Luke 12, 48. The principal reason this woman gave so much was because she was in love. Look at what the Bible says. But he who did not know, yet commitings, deserving of strife, shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from whom much will be what? From whom much will be what? And to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. They will ask the more. When I hear New Testament Christians, Modern day Christians in particular. <laughs> Debating whether they should pay 10% or not. I just feel that we are operating largely out of ignorance. And I'll show you a few reasons why. It's, I have about 10 of them, but I'll just touch on those this, time, this service. Time allotted will permit me to touch on. To whom much is given, much is required. Under the Old Testament, they were free to do 10%. Because what was given them, though it was significant, it was not as much as we have. So much has been given us in the New Testament. That 10% is, is something that is quite inconsequential if you want to give to God. If you want to retaliate as it were. If you want to reciprocate the love of God. That how much you have received from God, then we don't talk 10%. We should be talking more than 100%. Can somebody give me an amen? amen? So by the time you are worried and debating 10%, you've not started. 
Why is it that those of us in this age and this era, under the New Testament, we must give to God much more than 10%? I share with you a couple of reasons. Number one, is because a high price has been paid for our redemption. Somebody say a high price. Say a high price. A high price has been paid for our redemption. You see, under the Old Testament, if your sins needed to be forgiven, all they needed was a goat. One animal was enough to help have your sins covered. That was what they were doing to cover their sins. But in the New Testament, look at what the Bible says, First Corinthians 6, verse 20. He said, for God bought you with a high price. You must honor him with your body. God bought you with what? Say, I am bought with a high price. God bought you with a high price. High price. You've been bought with a high price. Again, 1 Corinthians 7, verse 23. For God, God paid a high price for you, so don't be enslaved by the world. You've been bought with a high price. High price. High price. You see, it's not every car anybody will just want to drive anywhere. When you have a certain kind of car, no matter what is happening in a certain village, you won't go there with it. You won't go there. Why wouldn't you do that? Because the, the price of the car and the nature of the road, they don't match. So you won't risk the cost and the beauty of your car for that kind of road. When you know how much you've been bought, you don't take your life for granted. The Bible says in the book of Acts chapter 17 verse 28, Acts 17 28, it said, take heed unto yourselves and unto the flock which the Holy Ghost had made you overseers to feed the church of God which he has purchased with his own blood. How, how were you bought? You were not bought with the blood of goats. You were bought with the blood of what? Christ. You were bought with the most expensive blood. Look at Hebrews chapter 9 verse 12 to 14. He said, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in, in the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Look at verse 13. He said, for if the blood, take note of this, if the blood of bulls and of goats and of the ashes of an hiver, sprinkling upon the unclean, sanctified to the purifying of the flesh. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered up himself unto God, purge your conscience from dead works. Praise God. The blood of Christ, he is contrasting and comparing the blood that purified them under the Old Testament and the blood that purified you in the, in the New Testament. They were sanctified by the blood of animals and of goats. You have been sanctified and purchased, redeemed by the blood of Christ. So if they did 10% with goat's blood, you should be doing much more with God's blood. Can somebody give me an amen? amen. That's one reason. That's one reason. First Peter chapter 1, verse 18 to 19. He said, For as much as you know that you were not redeemed, I like it. You were not redeemed with corruptible things, <laughs> as silver and gold from your vain conversations received by the traditions from your fathers. But verse 19, but with the precious, he's not he, with what? The precious blood of Christ, as a lamb without spot or blemish. That was the blood that saved you. So that's, you must know your value to know how you take care of yourself. You are not redeemed by, so 10%, when I start, when I discover some of these things, 10% left me. And I told you last week, for over five years now, I don't give tithe 10%. Next year, I'll review it upwards. And I'll be reviewing it upwards until whatever I will get to get to it. To whom much is given, much is required. To whom? So precious blood. Somebody say precious blood. Precious blood. Under the old covenant, they were, they were, the blood was used, but the kind of blood was different. A cat blood is different from a goat blood. Praise God. Hallelujah. A mouse blood is different from that of a rat blood. 
They are not the same. Human blood is different from animal blood. Number two. In this era, we must give more than 10%. Somebody say more than 10%. More than 10%. Yeah. Because to whom much is given, much is what? Required. But how much has been given us? That's what we are trying to explore. How much has been given us in the New Testament? One, it says, we have been redeemed with the precious blood. Number two. Our sins have been forgiven and blotted out. Somebody say forgiven and blotted out. Say forgiven and blotted out. Our sins have been forgiven and blotted out. Our sins. Most of the time, when the scriptures in the New Testament in particular, the uh, Pauline epistles, when he's talking about forgiveness, he likes to initiate it with thanksgiving. Giving thanks unto God. Colossians chapter 1. Giving thanks unto God, which had made us meet to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light. Look at verse 2. Who have delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. He said, in whom we have redemption through his word, blood, even the forgiveness of sins. We have redemption through the blood and forgiveness of sins. We have for- forgiveness of sins. Colossians 2, 13. You being dead in your sins and the uncircumcision of your flesh, had he quickened together with him, having forgiven you all, somebody say all, All. having forgiven you what? All trespasses. Having forgiven all trespasses. All. All trespasses have been forgiven. Now, it may not make a lot of sense to you until we compare it. Because we are comparing. Some people say, uh, 10%. 10%. Here we are demanding more than 10%. Praise God. And I'm showing you why. 10% must never be a debate for you. If you're a lover of God. It should never be a debate. It's the least you can start from as a child of God. If you're a baby Christian and you have just gotten born again and you are learning to give, you can start with 10%. But if you are maturing and you want to get into deeper things with God, you better review it. What's the difference, essentially? Under the old covenant, sin could not be remitted. Sin could not be what? It could not be remitted. It could only be atoned. To be atoned means it's covered. And when we cover something, it means tomorrow, if we get angry, we can uncover it. Am I communicating here? Their sins were not remitted. They were not forgiven. They were covered. That's what atonement. If you read Leviticus, it's called something the day of atonement. Their sins were atoned. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 1 to 12. We won't do up to 12, but we just. The old system under the law of Moses was a shadow, was only what? A shadow. A dim preview of good things to come. Not the good things themselves. The sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again. Year after year. But they were never able. Please take note. They were never what? Able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Verse 2. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have been purified once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But, verse 3. But instead, somebody say instead. instead. Those sacrifices actually reminded them of their sins year after year. Every year. Can you imagine? Every year they remind you the abortion you caused uh, uh, three years ago. Every year when they are sacrificing uh, fresh animals, you are reminded. Praise God. Every year. Even in this our era, Satan is still taking advantage of a lot of people. He knocks guilt to them. Listen, guilt is not from God. In our era, it's so beautiful. The Bible says, it, when we confess our sins, if we confess it, he's faithful and just and he forgives you. Forgives you means that its cup is gone for good. He said, I myself, I will blot out your transgressions. I remember your sin no more. 
That's where we are today. So if you are thinking about 10%, that was people whose sins were covered. They were doing 10%. Those whose sins were covered were doing 10%. And if your sin has been forgiven and your sins are not remembered again, you should be doing much more than 10%. Can somebody give me an amen here? That's, that's why. Because listen, if God were to bring back our past to us every three, three days, every three, three days, your faith can never work. Your faith. That's why Satan specializes, you see, most of the time when you are trying to make strides with God, and Satan begins to tell you, oh, you remember you did this? You remember you did this? Tell him, listen, I don't remember anymore because God does not remember anymore. Can somebody give me an amen? You, you must not keep track because God is not keeping track anymore. No more. Look, verse 5. He said, verse 4, he said, for it is not possible. Somebody says it's not possible. It is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. It's not possible. All they did was to cover it. They could not take it away. That's why when Christ came into the world, they said, you did not want animal sacrifice or sin offerings, but you have given me a body to offer. When he came and offered his body, an end came. I see an end come completely. In the mighty name of Jesus. So listen, under the Old Testament, one, their sins were not forgiven, they were atoned or covered. That was one. Number two, not only were their sins atoned, but even the atonement, you had to wait for one full year before it is done. One full year before it is done. One full year. One day you were hungry. And somebody had just uh, put uh, some food around or some money around and just picked some and you ate it. Went to buy yourself some uh, food and ate it just because uh, you were hungry. And this small one city, one ten Ghana you picked, the guilt of it will stay with you for one full year. Imagine that. One full year. Because atonement was only done one full year. It's not like now you do it. Today, somebody can even commit fornication. And when it comes to God and say, Father, I am sincerely sorry. Forgive me. I confess. Immediately, you can confess murder. Kill somebody. When you come to God, when the police get you, they will arrest you. But when it comes to God, all you need to do is to just confess. Father, I have sinned. Forgive me my sin. Heal me. Deliver me. Immediately, you are made a brand new. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. All things are passed away. Behold, all things are becoming. Now, listen. That's, that's where we stand with God in the New Testament. That's where we stand. That's where we stand with God. So, if you have to wait for one new year to be forgiven. Oh, no. To be atoned for. Or for your sins to be covered. And now, in a split second, your sins are forgiven. Why, why should you be worried about 10%? 10%? <laughs> You've not started. 10% you have not. And if the atonement was not even the same, after waiting for one full year, there is still rem- you will still be remembered. You will still be reminded that you committed. After you have waited, one year, they will still be reminding you that you committed abortion. You committed this sin. You insulted somebody after one year. Look, let me show you. Leviticus 16. I mean, I'll, I'll just start, touch on about two of them and we'll close. Leviticus 16, verse 32, 34. And the priest, who is, now the atonement you didn't, now you can confess your sins. And you are forgiven. You don't need to come to pastor's office and confess. Unless it has to do with somebody else. And you want to seek uh, some kind of reconciliation. But basically, it's between you and God. But those times, you have to go and, co- and some people are unfortunately doing it. They go and confess to somebody who is also confessing his own. <laughs> and sometimes, 
The one who is even confessing, his own is smaller compared to the one who is to do the confession. Hey! <laughs> and the priest who is anointed and consecrated to minister, as priest in his father's place, shall make atonement and put on linen clothes, the holy garment. 32, 33. Then he shall make atonement for the holy sanctuary. And he shall make atonement for the tabernacle of meeting and for the altar. And he shall make atonement for the priests and for all the people of the assembly. Verse 34. This shall be an everlasting statue for you to make atonement for the children of Israel for all their sins. Once a year. And he did it as the Lord commanded. Once. Somebody say once. Now, after the once a year, let's look at what happens. The Bible says, in verse 2, Hebrews 10, verse 2. New Living Translation. If they could have provided perfect cleansing, the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshippers would have purified once and for all for their time. For once for all time. And their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. But do you know what it means to be forgiven? In the Greek, it means to be released from prison. Be released from what? Released from imprisonment. Bondage to be released from imprisonment. Or to have all your debt cancelled. Praise God. All are cancelled. You owe 500,000 Ghana cities. They say, for free, go and chill. Praise God. Don't, don't worry about it again. All your debts have been supernaturally cancelled. In the death, someone is owing. I pray supernatural intervention for you. In the mighty name of Jesus. Now, these are just a few. Somebody say a few. In this era, you are a new creature. You are what? A new creature. God has made you a brand new person. <laughs> but for God making us brand new persons, it would have been very serious. Praise God. Because some of us, our old nature, our old creature, the things the old creature has done. Hey! But the Bible says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things shall pass away. Behold, all things. Somebody say all things. Somebody say all things. All things means all things. Abortion, but now you have a new womb. Stop allowing Satan to tell you that uh, because of that thing, you have a child. You have twins and triplets. Shout a believing amen. In closing, no. Let me just touch on this and we'll close with the last one. Number four, we have direct, we have direct access and unconditional acceptance before God. Somebody say direct access. Say direct access. We have direct access and unconditional acceptance before God. You see, under the Old Testament, access to God was limited to only a few. The priest and the high priest, in fact, the only person who could meet God face to face in the Holy of Holies was the high priest. And the high priest, he couldn't come by heart. It was a rigid. When you are coming, you have to bath well, dress well, <laughs> consecrate yourself before you can come. Oh, but now, somebody say, but now. But now, anywhere and at any time, you and I have direct access unto God. And you are standing in, in the presence of God. The Bible says, let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace that we might obtain mercy and find grace to help in the time of need. Can you imagine where you desperately need God and the high priest has trouble? How were you to access God? Need God. Badly and the high priest has trouble on holiday in Hawaii. And even when he comes, because of the things, contaminations he's into in Hawaii, when he comes, he has to purify himself seven days. If he needs to purify himself, before 
you may die. But today, you have uncompromising access before God. So, if after all of this, you are debating 10%, you are a wicked person. Praise God. Very, you see, there are two major forces that must motivate your giving to God. One, in fact, there are three of them. But most of the time, the third one is what a lot of people are driven by. And that is the returns. But giving must, one, come as a product of gratitude. As a product of what? You see, when somebody begs you for something, and when somebody does something for you and you want to show appreciation, you see that the appreciation usually is more than when somebody is demanding something from you. How many of you have seen that before? Appreciation. When the thing is just coming from you, usually. Our giving to God must be in response to gratitude. So, to show, Lord, we are grateful, Lord. That we who are nobodies have been made somebody. We who were supposed to have been banished from your presence. Now we have direct access to your presence. Let me just uh, round it up with the fact that number 10, I'll come back and do the in-between. Number 10 is the opportunity we have to receive greater returns on our giving than those who are need-centered and they are looking for what to gain. In the New Testament, we have opportunity to receive greater returns from our giving than the Old Testament. New Testament. Why? Because in the New Testament, 10% is just foundation. It's what? Foundation. Apart from that foundation, and you don't forget, the Bible said, Christ has laid the foundation. If any man builds upon it. Wow, it's 8 o'clock. If any man builds upon it, let him say how he will build upon it. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 to 7. And I'll close with that. He said, but this I say, he who soweth sparingly shall reap also. Oh, read it with me. One go. He who soweth shall reap also. And he who soweth. Uh-huh. Now, so, so he said, how much you want? If you want 100%, give 100%. If you want 10%, give 10%. Then he said, Every man, oh, I like it. Say, every man. man. According as he has purpose in his heart, let him give. Not gradually or of necessity. For God loves what? A cheerful giver. But, look at verse uh, 9, verse 8. And God, based on what you give, God is able to make all grace abound to you. So, if you gave sparingly, God is able to make commensurate grace abound to you. So, you have sufficiency that will help you to meet all the needs that are required. Can somebody give me an amen here? He said, He that soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully shall also reap bountifully. And so, based on what you want to receive, verse 7, purpose in your heart and give it. Can somebody understand what I'm saying? Purpose in your heart and give it. There are people who tight on gross, others who tight on net, purpose in your heart and do it. Some people do 10%, others do 20%, others do 50%, purpose in your heart and let me give you this quote. This is Quaker Oats. How many of you know Quaker Oats? You eat it. Some of you even ate it before you came. Some of you like that. He said, the builder, the founder, Harry Persons Crowell says, when asked about his rate of giving, said, for over 40 years, I've given 60 to 70% of my income to God. But I have not gotten ahead of him, for he has always been ahead of me. Praise God. 60 to 70% of his income to God. And he says, he's not succeeded in going ahead of God. Nobody beats God giving. When your heart is right, 
and your motive for doing it is right. It's only a matter of time. I see financial giants coming out of this place. I see great investors coming out of this place. I see kingdom financiers coming from this place. Father, to this hour, with our hands lifted, we surrender our hands to you. And we declare that nothing in our hands will be too much for us to ever withhold from you. In the name of Jesus. From today, we make a new commitment. Not just to give you the 10% you ask for. But we receive grace to give you much more. Amen. Receive grace to give you much more. In the name of Jesus. Amen. And I declare that beginning from this week, our financial situation shall be turned around. Amen. Thank you for miracle money. Amen. Thank you for miracle jobs. Amen. Thank you for supernatural doors. Amen. Opening to your people. In Jesus' precious name. Amen. You are here. You want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. You want to accept Jesus and make him your Lord and Savior. Lift up your hands. Let me pray with you. God bless you, my dear. God bless you. To say this after me, Lord Jesus, I thank you for this opportunity. I admit I'm a sinner. I call upon you. Come into my life. Forgive me my sin. Be my Lord and my Savior in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father, for saving her. Thank you for establishing her in your house. Thank you, Lord, that she's never the same again in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Pastor Afuakwa has just placed in your hands the key for all-round victory, success, and limitless prosperity. To get a copy of other messages as well as books by Pastor Afuakwa, please call 020-422-5790 or 027-422-5790 or email us at faithhousechapel at yahoo.com Get interactive with Pastor Afuakwa on Facebook and Twitter. You can also visit our website www.faithhousechapel.com for any other information. Fellowship with us this and every Sunday for our two English services, 6.30 to 8 a.m. fair service, 8.30 to 10.30 a.m. second service, and on Tuesdays for our word encounter service, 6 to 8 p.m. at our church auditorium on the top floor of Nana Ejakuma Plaza, opposite the Unity Oil Station, Santase Runabout, Kumase, Ghana. God richly bless you. In one word. One word.